we're in the business of nostalgia. I, w- I want you to walk into my store and find something that you pick up and you have an emotional connection to because you say, oh my, I haven't seen that since Christmas of 1980 when I opened that at my grandmother's house or, or whatever. That That's what I'm looking for. I, I love crawling through somebody's attic and with a flashlight and paying your light across through and you happen to catch a glimpse of a box over in the corner and go, oh my God, that's that thing I've been looking for for six years. It's a treasure hunt. So we started a Comic-Con in Lexington basically just so we could get our foot in the door to start a reptile show there. And then uh, in the vein of you never know how the, what the future holds for you, six years later I was out of the reptile business and a full-time comic convention promoter. And then coming from promoting a comic convention needing a place to call home base, we ended up with a comic book store. Hello, I'm Charlie Romans, and welcome to the podcast. Today, I'm sitting here with my friend, Jared. We're going to talk about all the amazing things he's managed to do in the area and beyond. Yeah, okay. So, Jared, everybody in this area knows Inner Geek. Thank you, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's that's the right response to that, I think. Uh, Thank you for the uh, vote of confidence. Well, you're very welcome. uh, You've got a a big footprint in Ashland, and you've got a big footprint in Huntington. Yeah. And uh, you regularly run the convention in Lexington. Yeah. And uh, along with your... uh, comic and toy stores you've got uh, of course the bookstore the inner geek and you've got the uh, sports car store yeah we uh we've been in, in pullman with sports cars for about a year now mm-hmm. uh, gosh it doesn't seem like a year but that was i think we opened february 4th last year so we're uh two days short of a year now well you know people often wonder how something started oh you drive down the road you see a sign you say, oh cool there's a business i might be interested in going to yeah but they don't really know the why. So back before all of this happened, before there ever was anything, uh, the earliest I can remember you talking about stuff was involved reptiles. Yeah. Let's start there. So uh, I've been, a, I'm going to call a ser- serial entrepreneur for uh, my whole life, really. Uh, from the time before I had my driver's license, I was trying to, uh, I was getting my parents to drive me to reptile shows so I could uh, try to find something that I could that I could buy and and keep as a pet for a few months and then hopefully sell for five dollars more or or, uh, or buy uh, two of something and breed them and produce babies and sell those. Um, uh, I tell people a lot that I, I never met a hobby that I wouldn't try to turn into a business. Uh, Interesting. If I if somebody introduced me to remote control car racing tomorrow, I would probably have a remote control car store within six months. Uh, I'm just, uh, I don't know, it's just how I'm wired. I always felt like I needed to, always felt like I needed to figure out how to make money on everything that I enjoyed because it, it subsidizes being able to enjoy it. That's well, true. Uh, like, you can do more of it. Yeah, comic books specifically, having the stores has allowed me to to see massive amounts of really cool comic books that uh, that I probably would have never had the opportunity to own in my life it was if I was not in the business of it, you know. Um, and although most of those uh, things are short-lived, my my own my own personal sickness in in the hoarding aspect is that um, I don't care to keep anything. I just want to find it. Okay. Uh, so like with comic books specifically, I want to 
find this uh, amazing issue of, of Spider-Man that, uh, that is really hard to come up with or whatever. But once I have it in my hand, uh, I have, I guess I have climbed that mountain. I've made that conquest. Now I can sell that and go on with my life and, and uh, start looking for something else. Well, it sounds like what you're saying is it's more the challenge than yeah, anything yeah, else. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. It's the challenge of finding cool things or, or whatever. That, and that's specifically the comic book store for me. Mm -hmm. um, I, I love crawling through somebody's attic and with a flashlight and paying your light across through and you happen to catch a glimpse of a box over in the corner and go, oh my God, that's that thing I've been looking for for six years or, or whatever, you know. Or fi find something cool that you weren't looking for yeah, that you're glad right. you yeah, found. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's a treasure hunt. And, right. And like I said, my own personal sickness is such that by the time I have that thing in the van on the way home, I don't care about it anymore. So I'm not a hoarder. I'm just, I just like finding things. That's an interesting way of, of looking at it. Yeah. Uh, now, I know you had told me a story once before that, that you actually come up with the idea for the comic book store at a reptile convention. Um, sort of, yeah. Um, well, I, I guess there's a hundred tie-ins there. Um, I did trade some snakes one time for a comic book collection <laughs> um, because I always had a, a, a big, you know, I, I've loved comics since I was a kid. Oh, yeah. Um, and it at the time it seemed like a good deal and I was just into into looking for things. Uh, but uh, let's see, tie the two things together really quickly. Uh, I wanted to have a reptile show. We were promoting reptile shows all over the state in Kentucky, and we wanted to do one in Lexington, and I reached okay. out to the Lexington Center. and For various reasons, they didn't really want me to do a reptile show in the building at the time, and I said, sure. well, we should get to know each other, so what kind of, what, what other shows could I do there? And... Uh, she said, well, I don't know, what do you have any interest in? And, and I said, well, I'm into comic books and toys. I like that stuff. And she said, well, we don't have a Comic-Con here. So we started a Comic-Con in Lexington basically just so we could get our foot in the door to start a reptile show there. And then uh, in the vein of you never know how the, what the future holds for you, six years later I was out of the reptile business and a full-time comic convention promoter. And then coming from promoting a comic convention, needing a place to call home base, we ended up with a comic book store. Okay. Um, and, and that's the one that you put in there yeah, in, in, in the town center mall. Actually, town center, yeah. And it, it's funny, uh, she's no longer the manager there, I don't think, but Michelle, that used to be the uh, manager at the town center, still tells the story that I sent her pictures of empty buildings in the mall for two years <laughs> saying if you'd like to have a business in this building let me know yeah and you know i didn't quite understand the way mall real estate worked at the time you mm -hmm. know sometimes a building will sit empty for three months waiting on a national brand yes. to pick, you know to to get their plans finalized or whatever so uh, to me it was an empty spot and she could rent it to me well it finally worked out one day she called me at five almost five o'clock in the evening and said hey i have a i have a building i can lease you if you want and I didn't even know exactly what I was going to do there, but I said yes. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I called my wife and said, don't kill me, but I just leased a building in the Ashland Town Center. <laughs> and she said, what are we doing? And I said, I don't know. We'll figure it out. <laughs> I imagine she was a little happy about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, she was happy because we got to move my, uh, 
my basement office and, and kind of toy collection slash man cave out of the basement of the house and into something where it would make money, you know? Right. So we started that store basically with my collection of stuff and, and a, and a $2,000 comic collection that I bought off somebody probably, uh, probably on some kind of terms that they offered me <laughs> or something. I don't even really remember, but. Well, uh, you know, there, there's a dynamic of course here. You, yeah. you put this in here. Uh, what kind of initial response did you have to opening a comic book store in a mall that didn't have one? Well, I'll tell you this. Um, I've, I've been extremely fortunate to be in the right place at the right time several yeah. times throughout my life. And, and um, I, I, I attribute a lot of things to luck. But anyway... Um, Opening a comic book store in the mall was something that we never really understood the value in until we did it. Uh, being a serial entrepreneur my whole life, I've tried a thousand little things, and, and the mindset in, in in the early part of my life was always we got to find a building that that we can get into extremely reasonably, and mm -hmm. and and by doing that, you compromise your own vision a little bit, and you find yourself in a building in a in a dark corner of town somewhere that nobody finds you in. Yes. By opening a business in the mall, right on the, in the middle of the mall, and, and you know, where people walking out of JCPenney saw us immediately, the moment we opened the gate on the store, it was like magic. People just walked in and started giving us their money. Um, and that was not an experience I was ready for in the beginning. Okay. It was like, wow, we have a, a viable business almost immediately with with very little. Which is very fortunate. Not everyone has that. Yes, yes. Like I said, we were, we were extremely lucky. Right place, right time. At the time we did that, we were the only comic shop Ashland had. Uh, Ashland hadn't had a comic shop for a long, long time. Uh, the society as a whole was was getting big into comics. Comics were becoming part of the, uh, the daily conversation around movies and things like that. Um, it was exactly right place, right time. And we were, were blessed to have almost an instant success with it. Uh, I'm no longer in the mall. That is not because I still advise people all the time. The mall is, is, a great place to to start and incubate a business. We just got to the point where um, we felt like we had a large enough customer base, and we wanted we badly wanted to own our building. Yes, um, because in the thing you're not afforded in the mall is space that is offline, and we our business is built around having a lot of offline space for warehousing stuff and yes. buying large collections and things. Well, no, your warehouse at the, the, the location you're at now is larger than your entire store to wall, at the mall, wasn't it? Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but we, I, I badly wanted to own my own building. Um, so after several years of building the business, we were fortunate enough to be able to buy a building and, and move into it. Mm -hmm. I still believe today that if I just came up with an off-the-wall idea and wanted to go try something, the mall is where I would absolutely go with it. Um, you you can't. It, it's hard to quantify what the built-in traffic of going into the mall. Right. I was going to say people talk made, about made for us. foot traffic. Yes. 
Now, directing foot traffic to an external building is more problematic than yeah, abso foot traffic absolutely. just yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, just like you, like I've said two, three times here, right place, right time, it, it, mm -hmm. it worked out. Uh, people responded to what we did, so we kept doing it, you know? Well, let's talk about the people a little bit. Uh, who were your initial customers? I mean, well, let's talk walk of life, I guess. Yeah. Uh, specifically, our target customer uh, is probably a 35 to 45-year-old male mm -hmm. Um that said, we have lots, lots, and lots of, of, of female customers too. Mm -hmm. uh, we have it, it's a very wide demographic, um, but we we're in the business of nostalgia. I, I want you to walk into my store and find something that you pick up and you have an emotional connection to because you say, "Oh my, I haven't seen that since Christmas of 1980 when mm -hmm. I opened that at my grandmother's house or yes. or whatever." That that's what I'm looking for. Um, and that was another thing in the mall. I wanted I wanted to grab people walking through the mall by seeing something in in our window that uh, that is their childhood. Because once you connect with somebody on on the level of of uh, you know a deep nostalgia from grandma's house, right? Uh, I hate to say it this way, but they they don't argue over over what it costs or uh, you know once it's in their hand, they're taking it home with them. Exactly. It's, uh, it's basically we, we don't have to hard sell people. They do it to their sales. You yes. know, you know uh, uh, when you put the right thing in someone's hand, mm -hmm. uh, it's almost a needful things thing. You know, uh, oh, when damn. you put something in their hand that they need, they take it home. You know. Well, you're not talking and talking about the broad range. I'm looking here on your office wall. I see a lot of different types of comic books, from weird mysteries to romance to standard what you would call comic book like a Captain America Hulk or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I'm I've, that, I that's have found indication. myself um, for about the <coughs> last year I found myself down the rabbit hole of obscure comics, you know, okay. like it, being in the business, I see um, I see Spider-Man number 300 12 times a month. Okay. It yeah. walks into the store. Exactly. It's still yeah. a great book. It still sells immediately. Mm -hmm. It's still one of the hottest books on the market right Still now. Still something you can help someone find. Yes. Uh, if you come in and you really need that book for your collection, within two days I can have one in, in your hand. So going back to what we said earlier, it's all the challenge of the hunt for me. <laughs> I was just thinking the same I'm chasing, thing. I'm right. chasing books right now that mm, arguably not a whole lot of people care about, but they still don't, they're not out there. I'm, right. I'm looking at... You got nobody will even know this reference. Probably, I'm looking currently for a first love number twelve. I've been looking for one at any price for over mm -hmm. a year now. Uh, wartime romances number uh, seventeen is a is a non-existent romance book right now. But right, but it, it's something. It gives me something when I go to a show. It gives me a challenge for something to look for, and. When you go in and you look at the graded population of a book and it says there's only two graded in the entire world, uh, that's the kind of thing that I'm I'm looking for right exactly. now. Exactly. Uh, even quite though rare. Even though maybe demand doesn't uh, isn't doesn't equate for some of these books are ten dollars. Yes. But find one tomorrow. You know when I like things that you go to eBay and search for and there's zero listings found. Yes. Yes, uh, and and I can see it comes back to the whole hunt. Yeah, it, it goes back to looking for it, and um, I put that display on my office wall, and it, it was just it was kind of 
things that I that I liked at the time, and me and my son Jackson and I have been talking a little bit about that display. I should over time I should cultivate that as every time I find a book I like, I should go to the wall and say, well, here's a book I like less, and I should maintain that as like the 50 books that I I like more than anything I have at the moment. At the moment. You know? at, at the moment. Yeah. Yes, I understand what you're saying. Man, that's so, a good uh, idea, you know, actually. Uh, I don't know. It's, those are just books that I found, and and again, everything I, uh, I I'm a collector of all kinds of weird things, but almost every single thing, well, not every single thing, but almost everything I own is for sale. If somebody come in and said, "Oh, I like that," if they like it three dollars better than I like it, they'll own it. You know. There you go. Yeah. You know. Yeah, definitely. Um, now, uh, changing gears just a little bit here. Okay. Uh, Stepping away from the comic books, you have a lot of other stuff at your store. Yeah, I'm a weirdo. <laughs> uh, well, well you you're know, saying at the store at, I have a lot of other stuff. At the store and here too. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. So what What are some of the things besides comic books that people um, walk into? So one at, of at the store specifically, uh, our stores are, are, are different. The two we have now, in, in Ashland here, Ashland, I tell people, is more a traditional comic book and toy store. Okay. Uh, we have a full line of, of uh, silver, bronze, and modern age comics, and uh, then vintage toys, mostly from the late 70s through the early 90s. Okay. Uh, that's vintage to us. Our Huntington store, um, at its root, was a bookstore. Yes. Uh, it was Empire Books and News for, for years, and through uh, various changes in ownership and, and whatnot, I, I went to Pullman Square one day and was talking to the owner up there, Bill Dargish. Uh, Bill's been great to me, by the way. Um, I mean, it was always a good bookstore. Yes. Uh, and we were discussing renting a small little store in Pullman Square to do a traditional comic book shop. And he he said, I, you know, after being in your actual store and talking to you here a little bit, would you ever consider owning a bookstore? And I said, well, I had never thought about it, but let me, let me toss it around. He said, well, I am currently the owner of the bookstore, and I would love to see you as my bookstore operator. You know, I'd love to see you own it and you operate it because mm -hmm. we feel like your store lends itself well to Pullman Square. And I could agree with that, yeah. So a week goes by, and we talk about it amongst me and, and the girls in the office, and and my wife and, and everyone, and uh, we kind of jumped in with both feet there. And mm -hmm. so, as you know, bookstores through the internet revolution and the Amazon uprising right. took a, traditional bookstores took a hit, you know? Yeah, the, the um, brick and mortar stores were suffering. Yeah, quite honestly, you don't make any money on books. There's no margin in new books. Uh, mm -hmm. Where you make your money is in used books and in sidelines. And the new books and magazines are more of an attraction than they are an actual profit center. Okay. Uh, they, don't get me wrong. There, there's, there is a margin. It's just not a big margin. Right. Um, so the bookstore as it was at, at Empire was, was underwater. Um, and we went in there and added what we do to it yes. with vintage toys and comics. And we, we kind of turned it into a – it's still a full-line bookstore. matter of fact, we've – far expanded the book section from what it was originally. Uh, we just added everything we do to it, thus giving us uh, a better general over the course of the store uh, profit center, and, and we've brought it above water again. Along uh, those lines, I'll, I'll interrupt you here just a second, Okay, but uh, 
It's like, for instance, uh, a lot of people like anime. Mm -hmm. So you offer the anime books, yep. uh, uh, manga, yep. and you offer figurines, everything else along that line. Yep. So people can come in and really get uh, uh, a full experience. It's like, for instance, I'm a fan of fantasy literature, Lord of the Rings. I've seen the books in that store yep. and everything that goes along yep. with the books we, in the we movies We have the books, too. we have the toys, we have the, the journal, the cool journal with uh, with something cool on the cover, you know. we have, The Pez dispensers. Yeah, the, you, you name it, we got it. Uh, and, and, we, and we've also tried to build that store into a, a little bit of a destination in downtown Huntington. Arguably, um, again, luck, right place, right time. Mm -hmm. That's arguably the best commercial piece of real estate in Huntington, West Virginia. It's it's in the center of Pullman Square. It's the best building in Pullman Square, probably. Yeah, and Pullman uh, Square itself is impressive. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, so we've, we've tried to, to make it into a bit of a destination store. We've, mm -hmm. we've got big props in there. We've got a, a full-size TARDIS in there. We've, we've got, uh, uh, I, I'm big on life-size things we've got uh, right uh, a, a life-size darth vader we got a, a mothman statue we had built uh and and although no one can actually see it on the podcast i noticed in another room of your office you've got a little rocky horse that's actually cringer for my master's <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> I, I um I, I try to find things that catch people's eyes right um uh, I'm, I'm i'm a shiny object collector i, I, right. I think um, and, and, but people are. Yeah. And uh, stepping just across the street from the inner geek at Pulton Square, mm -hmm. you have your, your sports card shop. Yep. Let's talk a little bit about that. So Pack Busters uh, is our sports card store there in Pullman. Uh, the genesis of Pack Busters was a car ride to, to Dayton, Ohio, with my youngest son, Jackson. Yes. Uh, we went to Dayton to to visit a comic book dealer I know. And while we we're there, he said, Hey, I, I bought a big sports card collection recently. Is that anything you're into? And the sports card market at the time last February was absolutely on fire. It was just, it was white hot. Uh, so the stuff was in front of me. Yes. I bought it all while we were there. And then on the way home, my son says, what are we going to do with this stuff? Mm -hmm. And I said, I, I don't know. And he said, uh, I said, we could put in a sports card store. And, and my son, he's 16, he kind of chuckled like, yeah. like that was an impossibility <laughs> uh, or like that was way hard or something. And, and it basically just in an effort to prove to my son that all you need is an idea and the ambition to do it. By the time we were back in Ashland, I had leased a building on the phone. Uh, and, Impressive. And we started... Uh, my youngest Jackson was the, uh, he was kind of the aesthetic inspiration for the place. So we, we got a building and I said, okay, how are we decorating? And, uh, he said, make it all white. Said, what do you mean all white? And he said, white is a high end color, dad. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, that's something that I would never thought of. Yeah. Okay. And, and I thought, well, that, that's weird. But anyway, we, we went in and. Painted the place all white, and I put in white showcases and, uh -huh. and white, and and the store came out. Uh, I, I felt like it it came out way better than what I ever expected, as as basically just something to show up my kid. Um, but uh, you know, Packbusters has been uh, quite honestly, it's the one project I don't feel like I put enough of my own time in. But it almost, but it really didn't even 
matter because I got some of the right kids in there and, and Abby, the girl that's running that store for me. Um, this is it's kind of funny, but she took it completely to heart. I told Abby when I hired her, um, I said, I judge a good, by, good manager by how little you call me. Okay. Abby won't call me unless that store's on fire. <laughs> I mean, she, 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 uh, I stop in, I have to stop in and check on Abby just to know she still exists most of the time. Well, apparently she's successful because uh, you don't she have is, to call her. Yes, she, she is. Um, and, and I told her in the beginning, you know, if the store is making money and, and it's paying the bills, uh, I, and, and it's not an everyday headache. We'll be here till, till doomsday and, and you'll have a, a job you're comfortable with. And, oh. and, and that's currently the way it's working out. I, I will say that Packbusters, even at its, at the beginning was always, um, in my mind, a pop-up. Okay. It was to capitalize on a white hot market at the time and to give my son an experience in startups. Yes, and I, I, it's been there. How many how long? We're now? there. It's their year now. It's okay. it's one year anniversary probably this week. Uh, actually it's tomorrow's. It's one year anniversary. Well, Excellent. as we're recording this, it's February 1st. Uh, we opened February 2nd or 3rd last year. Mm -hmm. Um uh, I just got the yearly financials on the store. It, it, it was a it was a profitable adventure this year. Mm -hmm. uh, it kept two kids employed all year, and uh, overall, I consider that a success. Well, um, you, speaking of, of of that, the success and the people you were employing and things like that, it seems to me that uh, you start with an idea. You think this would be pretty cool to do this. I wonder if I can do it, or I know I can do it. But it quickly turns into the reason it's a success is because you find out what people want. You have to find out what people want. You have to adapt to that. I think you have to be aware that just because you want something doesn't mean it's widely accepted, you know, that it right. will see wide success. Although that said, uh, I've been halfway successful in just using my gut to say, I like that. Somebody else must. Right. You know, well, but it seems you, you like have you've, to not get a, down a the rabbit taste hole. Palette, yeah. You have to so. not get down the rabbit hole of super specified. You can't like 1962 mandolins right. and think that you can build a store for 1962 made mandolins. You know, exactly. You, you, yeah. you, you can you build have, a mandolin store, but yes, not for just one. Yeah. Yeah. You, 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 you can't hyper focus, but, um, which, and and you, not and, every niche will support a business, and but every niche I think would support a business in the right town, the right location. It just might not be in Ashland, Kentucky. Right. Um, I, I don't know. There's the key part to me has been finding the right people to operate those businesses because I'm trying to get smart enough to realize that I can't own multiple businesses and operate multiple businesses myself all the time. Well, you, um, you can only juggle so many things at yes, one time effectively. Uh, yeah. I, and it's me trying to be a better person myself a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, I understand that the micromanagement thing just doesn't work. Uh, not on it, a, it, not, not as you scale up. Right. Yeah. Not in my experience either. Yeah. But uh, talking about the juggling thing, you seem to do it very well because you built a convention that has survived a pandemic that shut down a lot of businesses. 
What do you think is successful? What do you think is the appeal of your conventions? Oh, the, the appeal of the convention is, is absolutely just that it, it is broad-ranging and has a little something for everyone. It gives people uh, a chance to come out for one weekend and embrace the thing that, uh, that they feel like they're uh, alone in embracing, and then they get there and realize that there's a massive community around these things that they're into. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, conventions actually... are a, a, a commercial market, mm -hmm. but they are... At the root, a social gathering. Yes. Uh, the the commerce aspect of a convention is, uh, you know, the 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 evil part of it is that it is the necessity to be a commercial entity. Right. You can't keep something going if you don't make money. Yes, but they are successful, I believe, based purely on the social aspect of them. Um, Commercial success is ancillary, I guess. It's, you know, and it's funny you mentioned uh, uh, finding out that other people are into yeah. what you're into. At one of your conventions, I actually saw a mama Deadpool and a and, <laughs> a and a papa of, Deadpool pushing, pushing yeah. a baby Deadpool yep. in a stroller. Yeah. So and 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 they turn out in droves because they they love your convention because of that social aspect. Yeah. Uh, and, and also, we try to have something for everybody, you know. Mm -hmm. I, I, a whole family can come to the convention and every member of the family can find something that interests them. Uh, down to, we get the, the dads and the grandparents that are not into comics or that culture, but there's usually a cool car or something there oh, to look yeah. at, you know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there's yeah. usually, uh, you know, some, something neat for everybody. Um, my dad who is definitely not somebody I consider to be into comics and toys and that sort of thing, loves to come to the convention and just people watch. He says it's the best people watching in the country. People, people are fascinated. Yeah. They, they really are. Because, and, and they're radically different and they're disturbingly the same. Same, yes. Actually. Yeah. But uh, uh, I think maybe the reason you, and you think this would be a fair statement, that the reason your conventions become so popular is because even with the convention, something you've been doing for a while, you're still looking for the next good thing? Yeah. We're, I mean, we're, we're, we're always looking for the next good thing. Hey, Mike. Uh, so there's, uh, you know, the convention is, is, is about evolution, kind of. It, it's about uh, watching pop culture evolve yes. and adapting to that. And... and <sighs> It's kind of what you just said. It's remarkably the same every year, but uh, but distinctly different. Uh, we we try to follow the trends of what's hot on TV and and what's uh, what's hot in the market at the moment, and find celebrities and and things from shows that are um, that are in the uh, I guess in the zeitgeist at the time. Right. Well, you know, and, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and say it because you won't. <laughs> You did mention that the profit was kind of uh, secondary. Really, honestly, you've told me personally numerous times, you just want everyone to have a good time. Uh, absolutely. I, wanna have, I want everyone to have a good time, and I need it to be economically viable so we can do it again next year. Right, exactly, yeah. You know, that, that's, that's the route. Um, the convention has blessed me with being able to keep... Uh, some very good people on staff year-round. Yes. Those people 
uh, afford me the ability to do the next good thing while they are keeping check of the thing that we already do. The current good thing, yes. Yes. Um, and ideally that trend continues and we're able to keep growing and keep trying to throw something new at the wall and hope it sticks. Um, and, and currently, right now, you've got the, the Lexington Comic and Toy Convention. Yep. And you have the Huntington Comic Convention. Yep, we started in Huntington this June, or this past June. Mm -hmm. um, coming out of the pandemic, we were one of the first events on the on the docket, and we were limited in capacity by the city and the, right. all that. And uh, this year, we're going to hope to do it and do it better and bigger. Um, it's, a, it's a strange transition for us right now because I'm trying to allow um, the people around me to... Uh, to take the reins of the convention business and yes. they are learning as they go and um, they are just have Huntington right now for this year in its infancy but that website will be launching again in the next few weeks and, and we're going to try to go to Huntington and do some bigger better things this year so that'll be in June so, so uh, I don't want you to give away any uh, state secrets or anything okay. but, uh, but what's the next thing for jared or are you looking for the next thing? i'm i'm currently looking for the next thing we have I, I have a couple ideas on the plate that i want to incubate a little bit and mm -hmm. see which one grows into a toddler quicker so you're yeah. you're still trying to come up with the next good thing yeah and get ten thousand of your friends involved with it yeah <laughs> absolutely <laughs> So, uh, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you to find out what Jared's doing? Uh, I, I mean, I mean, not necessarily even you personally, but just follow and yeah, and hit yeah. Just, uh, we have multiple businesses on Facebook. Uh, the Inner Geek in Ashland is has a Facebook page. Inner Geek in Huntington has a Facebook page. Uh, the convention has a Facebook and a Twitter. It's uh, it's at LexCon and then Facebook.com underscore LexCon, I think, or backslash LexCon. Um, we're, we're easily found on the internet, Lexington Comic and Toy Convention. Well, I, I had to ask. I know how to find you. Yeah. I just want to make yeah. sure everybody else um, can, too. Yeah. I appreciate the plug there. Um, we, can be, uh, we can be found pretty easy. Um, as far as what's next, you know, who knows? Hopefully an adventure, I guess, is... Uh, that's all I'm looking for right now, is an adventure that hopefully, uh, with any luck... Which I'm, I'm well, you know, I, turns I think into something a, good. That's a good, hopeful way to look at the future, and especially the last couple of years we've had. We, we could use some hope. Yeah, yeah. And, and some entertainment. Uh, yeah, life, it, it's entertaining chasing, uh, chasing a new model. Oh, that's for sure. <laughs> well, Jared, thanks for taking the time to talk to me. I really appreciate it. <laughs> All right, Charlie. And, uh, anytime. We'll do this again real soon. Okay. All right.